Life is one long journey made up of many detours. Some are chosen and some are not, but they all teach us something along the way. Welcome to the Detour Podcast, where conversations about life detours and travel detours converge. It's one part human experience and one part travel experience put together to teach and inspire us to take the detour and enjoy the wander. Welcome back to the Detour Podcast. Today's episode is actually going to be a two-parter because we covered so much information it wouldn't fit into one episode. The topic is all about surrogacy. Haven't you always wondered about how this works when someone has a baby for somebody else? How do they you know, do this process? How do they find somebody? How do they decide to become a surrogate mother? How do they decide to find a surrogate mother to, you know, have a baby? Um, What is that process like? And what are all of the situations that go around um, bringing a baby into this world in sort of a non-traditional way? Why I had the fabulous opportunity to sit down with not only one part of that equation, but two parts. So my friend Jenna became a surrogate mother this year. She helped Mirel and Rito have their second child through surrogacy. And they came for the delivery and to take their baby and gave me some time um, to capture really what is two detour stories in one because you've got the detour that is Jenna's experience, and then you've got the detour story that is Mirel and Rito's experience. So you're going to hear today as we um, pick up with Mirel telling about her IVF um, journey. She had eight years, her and her husband, um, after multiple miscarriages, multiple rounds of IVF. They actually tried to adoption. They um, finally wound up coming to the decision to use a surrogate mother to help fulfill their dream of being parents. And she'll tell you about how it's just completely weird. And in fact, it's illegal in their country. So we'll, we'll find out about how that happens and and what do we do now? Um, what happens when the baby comes? How do they do this legally? And all the details about how this process actually works for the family, the intended parents, and then also for the surrogate mother and her family who is going to be carrying the baby and giving that baby to them when after delivery. So we kind of pick up where Mirel is telling a little bit of her story, her journey of trying to adopt and um, all the IVF and everything like that. So this is jam-packed full of information and i think you'll find it so fascinating so i hope you enjoy this episode thanks for joining us and then we tried to make to do ivf i think we did like four rounds of ivf and then i got pregnant but i lost the baby very Mm. early in the pregnancy and then we tried again i think we had four more transfers with each two embryos and it didn't take so we decided that it was enough because my body couldn't handle it anymore and we tried to uh, adopt the child which is difficult in Switzerland as there are no, almost no children to be adopted. So Swiss people, they, they have to go to another country to do it. So we tried to adopt a Russian baby, but at this time when we were like the next on the list to actually have a baby or to have like, yeah. 
So then the Ukrainian crisis started and there were a lot of political restrictions between and problems between um, Europe and I mean also US and, and Russia. And then they suddenly stopped, like, you know, like... Allowing people, yeah. yeah, to do the adoptions. So then I didn't know what to do anymore because it was like, that was our, we had really pre had prepared for a child from Russia. I even learned Russian. Ah. <laughs> so that's something. Yeah. Um, and then my doctor told me to try again with IVF. And that's what I did in Switzerland. And again, it didn't work. And he was like, I don't know why it doesn't work. I don't understand it. And as PGS, like, like this, uh, how do you call it, pre-implantation pre, pre diagnostic yeah. is not allowed in Switzerland or was <coughs> not allowed at this time. They sent us to Spain where it was allowed and we went to a Spanish clinic and a Spanish doctor and she told me actually that uh, if our embryos are fine that, we, that I would get pregnant. So then she was like, just let's gather enough embryos, then test them and if they are good, so then you are going to be pregnant. And that's what I did. I, I think I had four IVFs there and then they tested the embryos and then she transferred one and she was 100% sure I would get pregnant, but I, I, was, I wasn't pregnant. So, oh. And she, she called me and was like, you are never going to be pregnant. So oh no. <laughs> you, are, you need to, because it's not the embryos, you need to find a surrogate. You have to go to the United States and do it. And it's illegal in Switzerland, so we didn't know we didn't know if we should do it or not so we just found a lawyer and she was like yeah yeah it's illegal but if you do it in the united states you just you're not really doing something criminal okay <laughs> so you're just avoiding kind of this law mm -hmm. and she gave us like lists and then we just yeah and yeah that's i was curious about that when i found out that it that it was illegal um i, I didn't know that until really just a couple days ago after following you both through this whole process and I was like, oh my goodness, well, how does that work? So I'm, I'm glad to hear that you had a legal counsel that advised you on how to do yeah. this, but um, that that is such a hard journey that you've been through already. So um, with, with just trying to conceive naturally and, and all the different ways mm -hmm. that um, you tried to, to conceive naturally yeah. and um, that, um, that must've been very discouraging. It was, yeah, it was very hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So we didn't, it was a hard time, very yeah. long, like eight years of trying, and that nothing happened that was really, it was hard, yeah. Yeah, so we're happy to say that um, when you got through that part, you so you had kind of that detour of, okay, we want to have a family, and we can't have this in the typical way, so now we have to find another way, and um, surrogacy was that route. So. Um, you had your first child, actually, David, who, how old is he? One and a half. He's one and a half? Yeah. Um, so he, um, you had him through a surrogate yeah. as well. Mm -hmm. And um, so why did you not use the same surrogate uh, for his brother? She, she had done it before, like for another couple. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just, it's a, a long process. And I think she was like on hormones and pregnant for years. Okay. So it was like, she was... 
She needed a break yeah, from it. Needed, so the, the timing yeah. of it and um, yeah. and she yeah. needed a break from it. Yeah. So you needed to find mm -hmm. somebody else. Okay. So when you, um, when you decided, um, you know, you went all these different routes, the IVF and, and even the adoption and that didn't work. And so you're what, when the, um, last doctor said you'll never be able to get mm -hmm. pregnant, um, was surrogacy the next thing that you thought like, okay, sh should we do that? Or should we try to adopt again? Or it was nothing that I would have ever imagined to do, to be honest, because it's illegal and no one does it and it's not something that you do. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. just not an option. But then the doctor told me that and then I was like, yeah, well, no, mm -hmm. I'm not doing that. And then it was like, but I, I really, I can't be happy without a family. Mm -hmm. And adoption is not the way anymore. They didn't even take us on new lists. Like it was just not possible at all. So it was like, I have no other, no other option. And then I think my husband and my mother just were like, just try to figure out if maybe this pos it's possible and how it, I, was, I wasn't, I mean, I was the one that didn't really want it in the beginning because mm -hmm. it was just too um, far out. It wasn't it was any, just, not, no, it was something that others maybe do, but I wouldn't. And it's not something, I, I don't know. It was completely mm -hmm. weird. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like the feeling is I wanted to be pregnant myself mm -hmm. and I really wanted that. And I didn't want someone else mm -hmm. to carry my child. Yeah. So it, I guess that, um, I can understand that, yeah. that, that, um, you, you were, you probably just had to come to grips in a sense with what yeah. your path was like I can't have what I want yeah. so how can I get ultimately what I want which yeah. is is the family so your your mom and your husband were more on board with that than you were at first I mean I wanted to try again and again even, yeah even though the doctor said no it doesn't uh, make sense I, I was like let's just try another time let's just one more time one, one more time, time. and then they were like no and then we started to talk to the to the lawyer and to agencies and mm -hmm. then had this match, how it's called, like with the surrogate, and then it's when I started to feel comfortable, and it started to be a possibility, and I was like, okay, then, okay, let's do it. Nice. Yeah. So you already kind of had that experience from the beginning with this other surrogate, but we're gonna talk to Jenna about her side of um, being a being a surrogate. Mm -hmm. um, so how did that come up in into your mind, and how did you bring that to your husband? Um, the rest of your family, how did that begin with you? So this is something that I haven't really been public about either on my blog of why, um, but my sister um, is about 15 years older than me, and my husband and I were in college at the time. We were getting close to graduation, and my sister had a child who was probably about 12 or 13, but wanted another one, and um, went through some miscarriages herself. And so watching her struggle um, really hit home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, my mom saw it too. And we talked a lot. And I said, I, I will have a baby for her. And my mom was like, oh, that, you know, that thought has kind of crossed my mind too. Um, you know, to be able to give her what she really wants and to see her so upset and going through this 
it's horrible. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kept putting myself in her place. Like, how would I feel if that was me? Mm -hmm. If I was told I could never have children or Mm -hmm. it it never worked for me. Mm -hmm. And um, my mom was like, you know, this would be your first baby though. Like you should probably have your own family first before you thought about doing something like that. We just have to pray that it'll work for her. Mm -hmm. And Blaze and I moved back home. We got married. And six months later, we were pregnant with Bryce. And I was so scared to tell my sister. Oh, I know. That's tough. It was really hard. But we told her. And she had some good news to share with us. She was pregnant, too. Oh, yay. And our two boys are four weeks apart from each other. Wow. So it all works out really, really well. So it's kind of been something since then that has been in the back of my head that a possibility that I would like to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And then after having Bryce and Emma and having amazing pregnancies, I absolutely love it. Mm -hmm. Like, I know most women don't, but I... I love being (laughs) pregnant. When you said, when you told me that, you're like, I'm one of the weirdos that loved... I feel amazing when I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. I mean, besides at the end, because we're both really short people. (laughs) We're both very short people. And so when you wind up being like as wide as you are tall, Mm -hmm. that just gets uncomfortable. It's like, how am I still alive? (laughs) There's, where are the organs? Like, there's no room for lungs you know yeah so um I get that yeah yeah. um my husband tells me I'm a little bit nicer when I'm pregnant (laughs) that's funny um so yeah it's just something that I truly truly enjoy you know I never got sick I never just it was great um so in talking to Blaze and our kids about our family we kind of, you know, we tossed the idea back and forth, you know, do we want more? Are we good? And ideally, I think I would love to have four children. Mm-hmm. Um, my mom had four kids and I, I just, kids are the best, you know? Mm-hmm. And, but the more and more and more we talk about it and then talking to Bryce and Emma too, we all kind of feel like we're complete mm-hmm. right now. You mm-hmm. know, if God hasn't in his plan somewhere down the road, then so be it. Right. But, we feel like our family is complete. And so I thought, you know, it would be so cool to help somebody else who can't go through that mm-hmm. and wants that love and that joy and passion and just excitement of having a child. Mm-hmm. Why not help somebody? Like, mm-hmm. it's easy for me. I'm willing to do it. I want more babies. This is kind of my way of getting to be pregnant again and having another child, but internationally and you know growing our family and almost you know like another little niece or nephew right so Mm -hmm. um I brought it up to blaze kind of at the spur of the moment I had a really hard year in 2018 um I was teaching six classes I was coaching cheerleading I was just taking on too much Mm -hmm. and then I lost my dad in mm-hmm. April mm-hmm. and that was really hard mm-hmm. and so I did a lot of reflecting and a lot of thinking and just I want to do something for me mm-hmm. just something for me something big something rewarding and thought about going back to school like just really thought about a lot changing of changing your yeah. career yeah, or just, something yeah, like something crazy yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and I said to him what about maybe being a surrogate And I thought he would be really hesitant, but he was completely on board, so on board. 
Do you um, think that maybe because he was in your life back when you were talking about that, about with your sister, mm-hmm. that maybe it wasn't, like, maybe that seed was a little bit kind of planted, planted. Yeah. or it wasn't just this out of the blue, right. like, we've mm-hmm. never talked about exactly. this before, and what are you talking mm-hmm. about, lady? You know? Yeah, I'm <laughs> yeah. sure that definitely yeah. played so, a big part. Yeah, maybe because you sort of already dipped your toe in that water mm-hmm. with the conversation in the past about your sister's struggle. Yeah. Um, maybe that made it a little bit easier. Right, I'm sure. He did have some questions like, is it going to be like partly you? You know, how does that work? And so we had to, you know, talk about that and research it, you know, kind of on both of our ends. And once he knew, like, no, it can be their sperm and their egg. And I just... Because there are different types. Can you educate us a little bit about that? Like, there's different types. There are. Um, I know some people will use an egg donor if they can't, if their eggs just aren't viable. Sometimes, I guess it depends on the issue. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It depends if... Like your, you alluded to earlier, the doctor saying if your embryos are okay, like your embryos are okay, yeah. But there was something about they did, they don't know it's and and it's an unknown or it's just an unexplained infertility in our case. So mm-hmm. probably something, probably something uh, like with killer cells or just something that my body attacks the embryos. Gotcha. But there are different, you know, people have different reasons why they. Mm-hmm. Right, so I guess sometimes maybe it is the, an issue with the, with the egg, or maybe yeah. it's an issue with the sperm, or maybe it's an issue with, um, you know, unexplained, like, right. your situation. And so it depends on what the mm-hmm. family needs, yeah. I guess. Yeah. But in this situation, you were able to provide the embryo yeah. for Jenna. Mm-hmm. Um, so how did um well okay so we got a little bit ahead um so how did you find um an agency and get matched up so i just once blaze was on board um i started researching and circle surrogacy was the first one that popped up they're located in boston massachusetts and i was seeing them like pop up frequently like in everything i was reading and i think we we both have discussed this too in the, the past weeks that for both of us, it just seemed like very comforting and that they were really big on connections and families and growing families. And so I think both of us were reading that in our research and we were like, that's that's kind of what we both were looking for mm-hmm. during the beginning process, that we wanted a connection and mm-hmm. we wanted to stay close. And it wasn't just about growing a baby and handing it off and, and never, never to be seen again, again or yeah, heard yeah. from again right so was that important to you yeah, as well that's why we chose the agency so is had you already used that agency before or was it different yeah, for this time? We, we had the same agency for both oh you had the same <laughs> yeah. agency before okay yeah. so you were already kind of comfortable with yeah. how that process yeah, went mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay so um since you all were all on board the spouses and, and everything was there anybody that wasn't on board on either side for you i'm not sure no i think we i just didn't tell anyone because it's illegal so i just only my parents knew okay so for the first journey at least Mm -hmm. so no one knew 
Mm-hmm. And so I can't, I can't tell them. After David was born, I started to tell people because obviously there was a kid. Well, I was just going to say, so what do you say? Like, where did this kid yeah. come? Oh, look what we got from Amazon today. <laughs> then I just was like, yeah, I have a child. And yeah, so that's how he went into our yes. family. And most of the people were okay with it, I would say. Mm-hmm. And the others, I guess, they would just didn't tell me. Okay. Mm-hmm. There were some, I think a lot of... There is like a, there are people in Switzerland who are against it very much, but uh, I don't know any of them, mm-hmm. or they just don't tell me. I guess. Mm. I'm curious. Um, I'm curious why it is illegal. Uh, on the one hand, it's just in our constitution that it's just illegal. Mm-hmm. Like, and and I think it's just to protect. They think it's just kind of uh, selling people. Like, it's just kind of. Like when you sell people, sure. yeah, they yeah. right. They don't want it to be taken yeah. like a, an advantage mm-hmm. of type and of thing. Yeah, they don't. So protection of the women who carry just they because there are lot lot of um, stories from Indian surrogacy like where women are treated badly. Or right. Just, mm-hmm. So I think that's the reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay. All right, Jenna. How about you? Was everyone on board? Um, it's funny that you ask because no, not everybody was on board. Um, I thought my mom was going to be my biggest supporter um, because she has that love for children too. She has four of her own. She has said she would have loved to have more than that. Um, and that issue with your sister where you even kind sister, of tossing it around yeah, early on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, she's a teacher. Like, she, I just thought for sure like my mom's going to be my biggest supporter. And I told her, and she was, like, very quiet. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is not really going the way I thought it was going to go. And then we kind of just changed the subject. And then the next time we talked, I brought it up again, and it was like, I don't know if this is a good idea. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. And then um, we talked a little bit more a couple weeks later, and it was, like, same thing. Like, I'm not sure. I don't – I'll be honest. She actually made a comment and said, I don't even know if I could look at you or look at your belly. Oh. Did she ever say kind of what her fear was about that or what was behind that? She did eventually, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, we finally ended up matching, and – the next day, I could not stop thinking about them. Mm-hmm. I was like, just, oh my gosh, like that was so amazing. excited. So yeah. excited. Blaze was excited. I knew after talking to them the first time on Skype, I remember turning to Blaze and say, I'm going to carry their baby. Mm-hmm. Like, this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. Finish with your mom, and then okay. I want to circle back to yeah, sort to of that. that matching part. And so I took my mom to lunch the next day. Mm-hmm. I was like, we have to go and we have to talk about this because this is happening. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like even though like I'm a grown woman and right. I should be able to make my own decisions, part of me was like I have to have her blessing mm-hmm. for some reason. Yeah. And so we went and had about a three hour lunch. Mm-hmm. I even took their profile with me that mm-hmm. I had gotten, and I was I just said like I really want to do this. Mm-hmm. Like I really want to help them, mm-hmm. and. By the, she had a lot of questions, and I think the biggest thing was she was worried about my safety. Yeah. And um, or what if something were wrong with the baby, mm-hmm. and you know would 
worried that I would feel guilty that something or somehow happened responsible. Or, yeah. or, mm-hmm. And then like, you know, having, knowing that I had two C-sections and probably going to have a C-section again. And like, that's major. And yeah, you know, I don't want anything to happen to you. You mm-hmm. have two children that mm-hmm. you have to be a mother of. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that was the biggest fear for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once we talked and I explained and shared with her this couple and their story, mm-hmm. she finally, when we left, said, you have my blessing. Uh, this is what and, you want to do. Yeah. And, and then, then I think yeah. that's understandable. Yeah, Your mom is super it. sweet sure. and um, and kind of putting myself, if I was thinking about that for my own child, yeah, those are fears that would come up for me too. Right. And I would be, are you sure you want to, you know, yeah. is this, yeah, yeah, you have your own children. And of course your heart's behind the, the reason that you want to do this, you know, for them. But, um, that would be a legitimate fear. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then she just, it was just awesome to kind of watch her grow through this whole process mm-hmm. because her views have 180, yeah. you know, and then like, Four weeks before we deliver, the two of us went on vacation together um, to Sarasota, and she said, I should have been a surrogate. Aww. <laughs> like, I loved being pregnant, too, and my pregnancies were easy, and I kind of wish I would have had more after you. I, sh- I should have done this, and Aww. it's just, it's really neat to yeah. watch her yeah. change That's- her vision. Oh, little baby, little baby Louie is doing, joining us today, too, so you might hear some little, uh baby noises but that's okay (laughs) he wants to have his voice in this too Mm -hmm. (laughs) so okay you you talked about the the matching process um is it kind of like I don't know a dating profile like you go on and sort of look it is um and I think I said in one of the blog posts that the day that we were scheduled to match so you get um and I this may be one of your questions coming up but once um, all my paperwork is done and they, you know, I fill out the application and, okay, then you kind of move to phase two and then you move to phase three and all that was happening really fast. Like I applied and it was like two days later, okay, you're moving to phase two. Okay. And part of an application is that like you have to share some medical? A little bit, a not little a bit. lot. It's like in, what qualifies kind of you just, in a sense or what are they looking for? So that first initial application is just kind of like your information and like, do you smoke? Do you drink oh, your gosh. age? Like basic stuff. Mm-hmm. But then once you go to phase two, it, it's a little bit more. And then once you get to phase three, then it's a call. Like, okay, so this is we're, we're really kind of considering you as a candidate. Like we want to make sure we want to talk to you verbally and make Uh sure that this is really something you want to do. Then it went into medical stuff. So they had to get all my medical records, which that slowed down a little bit because my last name is hyphenated on everything Mm -hmm. and they were having trouble locating all the information. And at one point, like I think we went three or four weeks of not hearing anything, and Blaze was the one that said, so what's going on with, like, the surrogate stuff? Like, are we, like, you still do? I'm like, I don't know. They were supposed to get my medical records. Like, you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. It's okay. And then I had gotten a call saying out of the hundreds and hundreds of people that apply, because mm-hmm. they have so many that apply, only a very hand selected few go to this next step and you're at this next step and we really want to use you but we need these we have to get the rest of your records information so they had me track them down which i was able to get like that the next day they had everything they needed 
So then we went into um, interviews with a social worker and I had to have a two and a half hour Skype call to go over everything about my life, childhood, growing up, what I was involved in, what I liked, what I didn't like, um, discipline in my home, like just this woman knew everything about me wow. in two and a half hours. Wow. Um, my studies and like how I did in school and going to college and um, hobbies and my life now and do I feel like my family's complete because sometimes when you go into IVF you risk being able to carry your own children again Mm -hmm. so they really want to make sure that you've had your family and you're complete and you feel oh I see what you're saying mm -hmm. so you could go through this procedure trying to give them a child and then um could have some issue with your yeah. own self getting pregnant right. again. So they had to make sure that you were okay with that. Yeah. Okay, I understand. Mm-hmm. So just everything, like anything mm-hmm. you can imagine. And then... Is we, there something that's a disqualifier, like right off the bat? There I'm just are curious. a couple things, yeah. Um, one of the biggest things is, is like your BMI and mm-hmm. your, your weight and, mm-hmm. you know, having that healthy lifestyle. Um, I know obviously drinking and smoking is not something that they want right um they don't want you to be on any like financial support or aid gotcha that's Uh a big one right so making sure you're healthy enough to do this stable and you're doing it for the right Right. reason and not not you know to make money or 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 some kind Mm -hmm. of thing like that now People um, always ask about that, and um, we'll just touch on it. We're not going to go into specifics about that. Um, it's a private to, mm-hmm. to both families. Um, so can you just uh, explain how – well, before we get to that, can can you share, Marielle? Tell me again. Mire. I'm trying so hard. It looks like Mirelle is how it's spelled, but it's Mire, the French. Mire. I know this. Two years is French. Okay. Um, So on your end, Mm -hmm. you're matching up. um, You're looking for a match. And what are you and your husband looking for? We wanted to find a couple or a family that we could be friends with forever, kind of. Like we wanted an extended family, not just someone who just... You know, would just do the process and disappear from our lives. That was important to us. That was the most mm-hmm. important, I think. Everything else was like, yeah. I mean, if we just trusted the agency that if they would say someone is approved, that that everything was fine. So that's uh, not. That, that it was, was just feel, have this feeling that someone just could fit into our family or just would be part of our family because I mean, you trust someone to carry your child. Mm-hmm. So you need to be, yeah, to have some kind of connection, connection. to yeah. them, yeah. right? That's, that's what we were looking for, yeah. Right. Okay. So now you get matched together, and um, you have that connection, and and you, Jenna, you're qualified as far as the agency goes, and and um, you've had some conversations, I guess, via Skype and things, and you, you, Jenna, you said that you felt that connection right away, like, oh, this is the family, I want to help them, and you and your husband, Mire, um, that's okay, the baby's a little fussy. I'm going to make a new bottle, I think it's too old. We're going to do, do a bottle time, so there'll be a little, little pause in the conversation for a a bottle break. (laughs) Oh, Louie, it's okay. 
This baby is only three weeks old now? Yeah. Yeah, three weeks old. All right, so Mama's gonna make a bottle. We'll talk to Jenna for a minute. Okay, so now what happens, um, Jenna, you um, had to actually go to a clinic for the implantation, correct? Yes. So. Um, well, actually, didn't you have to do some preparation before that? I, I did, yeah. After we got matched, well, actually, right before we got matched, I had to do a psychological exam, and that was a very long test. Um, that I, I was on Skype with a woman and the screen was up with all these crazy questions, some like using double negatives and I had to like really think, take a minute to think about what are they asking me here so that I was answering it correctly. And the lady was watching me the whole time take this test. Wow. Um, I think it was 250 questions. My goodness. Yeah. And then, then we got matched mm -hmm. and, then, and then after we got matched, um, we kind of were able to jump right in because the clinic that we were working with in San Diego wanted um, me to be on a birth control pill, which I had been on since I had had Emma. Okay. So that was a quick process. Um, so we were able to go right on out to San Diego. We were there less than 24 hours. It was a very fast trip. Wow. Um, we went out. So I just had a question about sure. that. So they want you to be on the birth control pill so that they can control, control your cycle. Your cycle. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, I was thinking this yep. seems counterintuitive, but uh -huh. then it just hit me. They want to have control yes. of that. Okay. So we went out to San Diego, Blaze and I, we went to the clinic and there they did um, a series of, you know, examinations, blood work, um, and just check to make sure that, you know, my uterus was good and I was able to carry a, a little baby. Yeah. Um, what, were, were there no places local? Why did you need to go to California? So we went to California because that is where Morel and Rito had their embryos. Oh, okay. And that's where she had her egg retrieval. So everything was there. Plus the doctors. <laughs> it's okay. Plus, the doctors there are phenomenal. Like, mm -hmm. they're probably the best of the best. So, um, we all kind of knew that and we're comfortable with that. So, all right. Here you go. Oh, my goodness. Little Louie is hungry. Yeah. Little Louie's hungry. It's okay. Okay. So, um, after the examination, everything looked really good, except they had told me I had some type of polyp and i immediately freaked out and i'm like oh my god i have cancer mm. like what mm -hmm. what like what this can't be and i was so nervous and the nurse quickly calmed me down and was like it's okay it's no it's not cancer sometimes women have these mm -hmm. it would just have to be removed before we can do an embryo transfer and I was really upset. <laughs> and so she could see that. So she actually had us stay so we could meet the doctor and actually talk to the doctor about it. And that was great. It was great to get some one-on-one -on -one time with him. And he acted like it was no big deal. Like, okay. you're just going to, you know, either stop your birth control and have a period and maybe it'll go away on its own. Or you're going to follow up with your own doctor and see if they can remove the polyp and then we'll get you 
get you going. And so I was he's like, like okay. this is nothing. Don't worry about like this. It was nothing. Yeah. And I was so scared to tell them. And then they were like, oh, it's fine. It's, I'm sorry. It's going to be great, though. And I was just like, oh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, and, and I was just going to say, I, I can, I'm kind of, you know, picturing myself going through this process as you're, as you're telling this story. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I can feel like I would feel worried, like, okay, yeah. now I've taken on this right. very yes. big deal, mm-hmm. you know, for them. Mm-hmm. And um, I would feel responsible, like, oh, I hope my body cooperates. I hope right. that Exactly. I am okay, and yes. and then I can actually do this because you obviously don't want to disappoint yes. them now, and um and that kind of thing, and so that and must have weighed on you. It did, and then it it happened. It ended up working out. We we went to the doctor. Um, I had stopped the birth control, had a period. The polyp was gone. I okay. didn't see it, so that was great. So then it was all right. Let's you know we can start the medication. So. Um, then I was sent to a local monitoring clinic, um, and, and an infertility clinic down in Clearwater. Um, and I had to go there weekly for lining checks. So once I was, I was back on the birth control, I had that one period, the polyp was gone. I then stopped the birth control, got a period, had to go down to the clinic to have my lining check. They look to see that your lining is really thin which mine was, well, it was kind of, it was like a four or five, but I had just started my period, so Mm -hmm. they said it should get thinner. And then I started estrogen pills the next day. And now that's supposed to make your lining thicken, and they want a nice thick lining for transfer. So I went there weekly. The second check was good. We go for the third check, which would have been the final check, and then it would be the next week, the fourth week would be the transfer. We get there, and they said my lining was great. It was a 13, and I'm like, wow. Like, most of the women on the circle page, surrogate page, um, you know, are struggling to get, they want you at like a seven or an eight, and a lot of them are struggling or they're right there. Mm-hmm. And I'm a 13, okay. You're like, you got, the del- you got the deluxe plush yeah. environment for this. This yes. baby's like sleeping on a cloud, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so go home, I'm all excited. I'm telling them like, I'm a 13. And even they were like, wow. wow. Yeah. And then they send all the information to San Diego and we've got that time change. So sometimes it took, it was a really long day to mm-hmm. finally get confirmation. And we got an email that my lining didn't look optimal Ugh. and that they were going to cancel this cycle mm-hmm. and we were going to start again. And I was like, no, but I'm a 13. So yeah. <laughs> and it was hard because I was like, I don't get this. Like, I, what do they mean not optimal? And I think I even wrote them back and was like, what? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. And um, I think it was really late for them, mm-hmm. so they didn't get to see it until the next day. And so I'm processing all this and super bummed out, like, oh, here we go again. Mm-hmm. Didn't work. And, yeah, that, that sunk in, that responsibility of, mm-hmm. oh, my gosh, like, are they not going to want to use me anymore? Mm-hmm. And, like, just all those <laughs> oh. feelings. And then the next morning she wrote me a beautiful note and it's okay and we're going to get through this uh-huh. and, you know, next time it'll work and we're going to talk to Dr. D and I'm like, okay, okay. And so um, he changed things up. He talked to them. He talked to me. He said some women don't 
need to be on the medication as long, I guess, because our linings do get super thick, super fast. Um, it was a good thing. It was okay. no big deal. So you, you know? had a little bit of just yeah. overabundance and because, yeah, yeah it yep. just worked too well on you. Yeah. Got so it. So we kind of cleaned my cycle out or system out. I had to take, I can't remember the name of the medication now, but some, some type of 10-day pill to get rid of all mm-hmm. the estrogen and mm-hmm. then went back on birth control for I think a week or two and then had a period again and then we started over but the second time we started over I only went they changed up the days of when I went so I went for the first check and then I didn't go f- until like 12 days later instead of seven and that lining check showed I think I was a 12 and I was like oh, oh no like is this gonna be okay but then I was, they look for like a triple line and I had that, like three little lines in your uterus and I had that and the blood work was good and we got the email, we were yeah. going to transfer the following week. Ooh. So it's like, okay. Yeah. Like, it's like yeah. trying to get to that optimal position yeah. and then it happens fast. Yeah. There's a lot of like hurry up and wait mm-hmm. in this whole process. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, those time frames for me that went really, really slow. Once I was pregnant, it flew by and all went really, really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, so then the next day I had to start the shots, which which is what I was the most scared about, is giving myself these injections every night at nine o'clock um, with a very large needle. <laughs> yeah. To, into what? Into the backside, right above oh. my butt. Oh. Um, so the first one I was so panicked about, and Blaze had to go to a lightning hockey game. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like, what am I going to do? Like, I can't do this. I cannot give myself the shot. Uh-huh. If I was doing it on somebody else, no big deal, but I can't do it to myself. So his sister-in-law came over. She came over at like 6 o'clock. I made her watch the video. She's like, okay, I got it. Like, stop freaking out. It's not Mm -hmm. that big of a deal. Mm -hmm. The whole time, I'm like pacing around the house and worried and putting heat on my butt. And maybe I should do ice. And then finally, it's like almost 9 o'clock. And her kids were tired. And my kids were (laughs) tired. And She's like, get your hiney over here. Let's go. We're doing this. (laughs) And I'm like, wait, we're going to videotape it for Morel and Rito. Because, like, I just want them to, like, experience the whole thing. (laughs) They got to experience this too. So we set up a video and I'm standing at the counter and she's like, I'm done. I'm like, you're done. I didn't even feel it. And she's like, okay, I got to go now. Like I got to get my kids to bed and she's out the door. And I'm like, okay, that was easy. (laughs) The the buildup was worse than the actual thing. No, I would say around like week eight or nine, it did start to get a little bit more sore just because it was constantly every night we were rotating sides as much as we could um blaze did take over at that point and do almost all of them he did go out of town so i did have to learn how to do it myself tried to teach my son um he tried when blaze was here and he he put it in and then he stopped watching and (laughs) the needle was coming out but the medicine was still going in so we had to do it twice that night Uh um so we're like yeah i guess he can't really help us out with this um (laughs) so i had to learn and i just you know and how many how long did you have to do those shots how many until i was 12 weeks oh wow so we had a total of about 74 78 shots 
total by the time we were done. Mm. So my backside was very thankful mm-hmm. once we got to 12 weeks. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on on your on your side, um, you're back in Switzerland, and um, well, okay. So let me just backtrack a little bit. Um, so who uh, how who covers this care? So how does that work? Like, um, does your insurance cover anything, Jenna? Do you? How does that work? Who who covers all these things? So not all surrogates um, have insurance, or not all surrogates. Have insurance that will cover a mm-hmm. surrogacy journey. Um, mine did, oh. so that was great. That was a that was a good thing. I think for yeah. for both of us, and mm-hmm. probably really helped them out. Um, so all my medical expenses, you know, for the most part, went through the insurance, and then what didn't get covered, then Morel and Rito were able to take care of. The exception of the fertility clinic, I think that's yes, that's right. something yes. that's not covered. The, the IVF okay. stuff is not. Stuff You're right. Too. Okay. But then from the pregnancy was covered. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so then that was your your and your husband's responsibility yeah. to cover for them. Yeah. Got it. So on your end, you're seeing this. Um, how is it like for you mentally watching her go through this journey? She said, you know, she was freaking out more than you were freaking out. Like, oh, don't worry, it'll be fine. Um, was that keeping her pumped up, or or I mean, did you, you know, really feel that way? I really like her, so I tried to to not. I didn't want her to feel bad. Mm-hmm. So but I think when the cycle was cancelled, we were like a little bit like, is that a good sign? Is that something we should worry? Is it going to work out? Do we have mm-hmm. to change? Mm-hmm. Like in the end, but just, we just, we just, and then we, I talked to the doctor and he was like, no, it's very common. I was like, yeah, then he knows what he does. So, yeah. And I think anyway, it's not, it wouldn't have been her fault. You know? Right. It's mm-hmm. not something about, even if maybe it wouldn't work out. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's not in our hands. So, yeah. Like, and I was really thankful because she did she did send us all the messages and tell us how it went and send us this video about her <laughs> first shot. It was great. So I we felt really comfortable and good and and connected all oh, the time. Yeah. Good, good. Yeah, I know that you that Jenna really um, made an effort uh, yeah. for sure to keep you yeah. like you said you wanted them this to be their pregnancy and their journey yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Okay, so then, so now you've had, uh, we can fast forward a little bit, mm-hmm. and you've, you've got the implantation. Did it did it work the first time? It did. Mm-hmm. Woohoo! It did. Yeah. So once I, once after the implantation was done, I continued going to that monitoring clinic just for a little bit to make sure everything was okay, and then we started going to weekly ultrasounds. Um, so we got to, it was cool because I got to see this baby so many more times than I got to see my own children. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, we got to see him at six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks. And then we had blood tests done with like the, they call it the beta results with mm-hmm. your um, hormone levels to make sure, in fact, you are pregnant. Mm-hmm. We had a great first number. And then 10 days Ten days later, mm-hmm. I think, or twelve days later, they test again just to be safe. Because mm-hmm. sometimes you can have a dip, or sometimes right. it becomes a chemical pregnancy. And it was over three thousand. It was, yeah. And we were both like, "Holy cow!" And I said, "It's official." What if it's twins? Oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, right. We yeah. didn't even think yes. that. Had you thought about that? <laughs> Yeah, like, after she said it was so high, I was like, yeah. She was, like, thinking the we, same thing. We might get two babies. Yeah. <laughs> this it would be crazy. a BOGO. Yes. 
But that, and like I told them, I'm like, if that's the case, then that was truly meant to be. Right, Because we only true. transferred one embryo. So yeah. So it would have just Split naturally. Because, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so then at the six-week six week ultrasound, um, I remember going there. By my, I went by myself, and I was super nervous that morning. And I even told the nurse, I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of like a little freaking out because there might be two. And she's like, really? And I told her, and she's like, yeah, that's pretty high. There might be. Let, let's take a look. Mm-hmm. So we just did a regular ultrasound at first, and we were only seeing one. And she's like, do you want me to do a vaginal ultrasound just to be safe? Like, Because that'll like really tell us yesterday. You're like, like um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so we did, and there was still just one, but it was so neat to see like this little tiny pea-sized baby mm-hmm. and here's this heartbeat just flickering away mm-hmm. you know at six weeks it was amazing unfortunately I was upset because I couldn't videotape or take any pictures during those um ultrasounds and so I wanted them to be able to experience all that but they weren't able to but after every appointment I called or texted mm-hmm. or sent pictures yeah, so that they knew mm-hmm. right yeah. away, like what was what was going on. I was sitting at home, just waiting in my office, just waiting, like nervous, nervously waiting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Like, when is she calling? When is she calling? <laughs> is okay? Should be should be like done now. Should be should be out of the of the doctor's office. Yeah. What time is it what there? What time is it there? Yeah. Because yeah. the thing is, because Swiss time is different, like. Then it was always in the evening or, or late afternoon. So you had to, you woke up two days a day and then you had to wait. All day hour. long. Now she's get, is she awake now? Like when does she go, go out? Is she at, at, on her way to the doctor? So well, this time shift is always like... Mm-hmm. Because it's almost about... Tw- six hours. Six. Six yeah. Hours yeah. So at noon, like now she's probably getting mm-hmm. prepared. Like now <laughs> 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 oh my goodness. Okay, so now you're, you're pregnant... And, and that's kind of like the uneventful part, right? Now you're just sort of growing the baby, but you're keeping um, track mm-hmm. with each other. Do you have to do anything after that point? This is now just no, the normal pregnancy, so once right? We were, um, once we had three ultrasounds, the eight-week one was the last one. They were like, you're officially graduated from the clinic. Um, you can go ahead and schedule and set up your first o- OB appointment with your own doctor. So I was able to use the same doctor that delivered Bryce and Emma mm-hmm. so I was comfortable with that which was great um and then at 12 I still continued the shots though until 12 weeks so at 12 weeks then I was able to throw all that away schedule my appointment with my doctor and then it was just like a normal pregnancy for me from yeah. then on out and then I think that's when our nerves switch or, or yeah mm-hmm. our nerves switch mm-hmm. so I was then super comfortable and was like, we got this, everything's good, positive. And that's when she was more nervous and, you know, anxious. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it went slow for her, but went fast mm-hmm. for me. And mm-hmm. yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I guess, um, I don't know, sometimes it's it goes faster for the one that's, that's not pregnant, mm-hmm. you know. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's like, holy smoly, like that went really fast. You're right. already, you know, delivering when you observe other mm-hmm. people. So during this time, it was just, it was just now the anticipation of like, okay, she's really pregnant and this is really happening and, and it's going. Yeah, I think because we had miscarriages before until week 12th week, I was like, something might happen. I shouldn't get too involved. Oh, I gotcha. I shouldn't uh-huh. let myself get too excited about it. And then when, then it was actually kind of, 
yeah sure then i started to be anxious like if something happens now then i would be really really right destroyed mm-hmm. so then so then i started to be and then we had we what? did the um testing mm-hmm. um early on the blood testing and i think they did that at like 13 or 14 yeah, weeks 13. and the doctor said well the sex of the baby is going to come out of that test just so you know and i was like really and he's like, yeah, it'll that tell early, you. Huh? Yeah, they're like, he's like, it'll tell you. And I'm like, okay. So I told her, I'm like, do you want to know the sex of the baby? Because the blood test is going to show us. So if you don't want to know, I'm going to need to make sure I cover it up. But if mm-hmm. you want to know. It's going to be on there. Know. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and she was like, and I don't even know if you knew. It took you a little while before. And then she was finally like, yeah. Yeah, we yeah. want to know. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, okay, well, I got to, you know, I got to do something cute. Like, mm-hmm. I have, we have to. This has to be revealed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I quickly ordered um, one of those big balloons on Amazon with the confetti. And it came in time. And um, something was, like, it's so weird <laughs> how this whole journey has, like, done this. Like, there's just been, like, signs or something has fallen in place the, the way it's supposed to or she's had a feeling or I've had a feeling like it's Mm kind of crazy how that all works Mm -hmm. out but it just does and we were talking one day and she's like do you think we're gonna know and I'm like yeah I kind of have this feeling we're gonna get the results today yeah she's like you think I think it might be still too early no and I'm like I don't know I think I'm gonna call call quest and just like see and so I was picking the kids up in car loop and I called and they're like yeah we have the results and I'm like (gasps) oh, well, can you send them to me? And he's like, yeah, I can send them to you. What's your email? And I'm like, okay, oh my God, like this is happening. And I was driving home and I pulled the results up and I saw the boy symbol Marker. and mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> it's, it's a boy. boy. <laughs> Which I kind of had that feeling from the get to. Yeah, I told yeah. her at transfer, yeah. I said, I think it's going to be a boy. Yeah. And... um yeah, it, it was I, a I came home and quickly stuffed the balloon, and I was like, "Are you guys awake? Can I call you? Can we can we Skype real quick?" And She's like, like, "I don't care. It could be yeah. three a.m. Just call <laughs> sure, me, right?" Sure, sure. <laughs> and so, and I think even then you were probably still a little like apprehensive. You know, now that I think back back to it, like that even that day, like you were excited. Yeah. Yes, okay, we're having a boy, yeah. but you could feel. Yeah. That you were still scared. worried and mm-hmm. nervous. Yeah. I, I think it was, I was the whole pregnancy. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, yeah. who could blame you? You had such a journey before that and so many times of disappointment. Yeah. I can imagine that internally, like you said, you would you would be excited, but yet still just, oh, I, I've been disappointed so many other times. I just hope, yeah. I yeah. hope this works. And I this feeling that every, every time that I let go, then something bad happens. Mm. So and then I think around the 20-week ultrasound and we had this baby shower and everything was good. I started to relax and then we had the accident. Yeah. Okay, we're going to stop there. Be sure to listen to part two of this episode to hear about this accident that Meryl alluded to and what happened with the rest of the baby's story, the delivery, and what Jenna, Meryl, and their families are up to now. You can follow, interact, and ask questions about this episode and others on our Facebook page, The Detour Podcast, and on Instagram at Sheila Shinsky. 
To hear more conversations like this one, you can listen to all of our episodes on the Detour Podcast channel on Podbean. We're also on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. So be sure to share this episode with a friend who loves podcasts too. And rate, comment, and subscribe yourself. So you can join us next time as we take the detour and enjoy the wander.